Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hello. And if you're listening to this, congratulations. You You've have made it through 2020. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. But the, the battle's not my... over yet. Or the battle might be over. But the war has just begun. Welcome Rages to 2021. <laughs> ding, ding. Isn't that when Mad Max took place? Uh, the original film, yeah. Rut row. <laughs> Here we go. But I'm pretty sure in that Mad Max, it was the one where he was still a cop and the world was still kind of in place. It was falling apart, but not mm -hmm. completely gone yet. So there's still kind of hope. So 2021 is still the prequel to 2022 is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Good to know. It's a trilogy. Yeah. Terror comes in three. Everything comes in threes. Not beer. Comes in fours or sixes. Or twos. <laughs> <laughs> See how I did that? I brought it back to beer. Brought it back around. Welcome to Crack and Open. I'm Mike. With me as always is Elise. <sighs> so, Professor, tell us what is the first beer we are cracking in the new year with? <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, this week we are cracking open Mount Pisgah, an American IPA from Norbrook Farm, uh, which is located in Colebrook, Connecticut. Never heard of it. New Year, new beer. Where is it from? Norbrook. I don't think I've heard that name before. Connecticut's got we'll, so many we'll little towns to we've never heard of. It's not actually the name of a town, but I'll, I'll get to that. <sighs> Connecticut. <laughs> uh, so Norbrook opened in 2018 and it had kind of an unusual start. Uh, there are three big players in Norbrook's story. Brothers John and Randy Alclair and Colin Cohn. The Alclairs were co-owners of Electric Motion Company of Winstead, which was purchased by Hubble Power. So John thought that he could do something with a foreclosed farmland adjacent to his property in Colebrook, which was basically just being used for haymaking and cow grazing. But he also used a building on the property to store equipment and vehicles. So one night, John was having a party with all of his contractor friends, and they agreed that the building and property would lend itself really well to being a craft brewery. Now, all they needed was 
a brewer. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where Cohn came in first as a consultant. And then he became the head brewer. They actually credit Kent Falls Brewing, um, which we are fans of. Yes. As you were able to to visit them last summer. Also on a farm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They credit Kent Falls for breaking down some of the barriers for Connecticut farm breweries, which are apparently much more complicated to establish in terms of like planning and zoning and all that legal stuff that I'm too stupid to understand. (laughs) That's what they pay the lawyers and the people and the advisors the big bucks for. Exactly. You're not too stupid to understand. The laws are too stupid to uh, wade through <laughs> from the, for the layman Yeah, on purpose. <laughs> yeah, basically. So Colin starts the process of brewing their first batch of all of their core beers. And they open in late uh, September of 2018 with lines of people, many of whom were involved in the construction of the brewery and stuff like that. But then in mid-October... Uh, WFSB, one of our local channels, aired a segment of Something's Brewing featuring Norbrook. And literally by the end of that day, the brewery had completely sold out of all but two beers. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Claire made the bold decision to close down for a month and replenish their supplies. Um, And they had just opened. So kind of a crazy move but they had nothing left what were they gonna do exactly he was, <laughs> yeah everyone knew that it was because they ran out of beer and john was determined for people to have a good experience there not just to come in and have a choice of two beers right so like understandable in that respect and clearly the two beers that were left i mean <laughs> that's kind of suspect right there i mean <laughs> i don't want your hand-me-down beers hand-me-down <laughs> Honestly, it's probably the weirder stuff that I would really, I would like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be the sour and the stout that you were, you would order first. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got this granola ale. Nobody wants it. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> but yeah, so it worked. Uh, they tripled their equipment capacity and got down to brewing and reopened successfully a month later. And I would assume it has been smoother sailing. Since <laughs> pandemic notwithstanding, I was going to say until about March yeah, of this year. Yeah, exactly. Of, uh, oh, oh, wait. March of last year. Well, <laughs> as we record this, don't break the illusion. <laughs> but yes, in our world, it is still 2020. Hell, well, I don't know uh, if this episode's going to air. Maybe we didn't make it through. 2020 could still throw a surprise at us. True. We still got two more days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you hear something? <laughs> Watch out. (laughs) So Norbrook Farm. Farm. (laughs) Shut up. Norbrook Farm straddles Norfolk and Colebrook town lines, which is what inspired the name. Oh, I just thought it sounded like some Connecticut nonsense thing that I thought I've heard of. No, they just the the (laughs) farm is right on the line. So they split the difference and that's the name. I like it. It's a nice name. It is. It sounds legit. I mean, like, it does I, sound I, like a Connecticut town. I would have believed that. it was a Connecticut town. Exactly. For those of you not from Connecticut listening, Connecticut is one of the smallest states in the union. And but yet somehow has as so many, many cities as like California. I right? know that's not actually true. But well, yeah. we ha- if you looked at a map of Connecticut, you'd say like, whoa, whoa. Somebody's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> like I am. Consolidate. <laughs> I am how well 30 years old and (laughs) 
still hearing the t- the town names that I have never heard before. And you will always hear town names because Connecticut has uh, no joke. 70 kajillion towns. Kajillion, yes. That's it's, a, it's, it's in the big legal book that you go and you go to the town hall uh-huh. and you open the book of towns. It's about eight feet wide, seven feet thick. <laughs> you need a giant pole to, to open. I don't know. I'm going to the, stop yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, stop me. Um, yeah, anyway, so the brewery sits on 450 acres that they say, I mean, that's that's huge. That's a lot of acres. Yeah. So they they say they are at the frontier stage. Perfect for walking, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, mountain biking, disc golfing. They even have those like baskets set up everywhere and everything. Yeah. Um, and the tasting room doesn't even have to be open for you to use the property. It's just that they close the trails at sunset. And there, there are maps um, and trail signs in progress as well. So it costs you nothing to use their property. Nope. That's nice of you them. Can, yeah. You can just go and enjoy the, the beautiful scenery and then finish it off with a, a good brew. So how large is this brewery if they're sitting on 450 acres? That I do not know. Damn. <laughs> All right. I don't think it's that big. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine the possibility. Imagine the possibilities. So Norbrook Farm specializes in farmhouse style beers, ales and lagers. And Mount Pisgah is one of six signature beers that are always on tap. Uh, The other signatures include a Saison, a Kolsch, a Porter, a Brown Ale and a rotating IPA. And then they always have another like six to eight kind of rotating taps available as well. I bet it was the brown ale. I bet the brown ale was what was left. And you're right. I would have gone for the brown ale first because I would have been like, ooh, a brown ale. <laughs> and the Kolsch. Yep. Now, it would have, yeah, the Kolsch, now the Kolsch would have probably been the first one I tried. Mm-hmm. So Norbrook Farm describes Mount Pisgah like this. Quote, this IPA is bold and solid like Mount Pisgah, which respectfully flanks our quaint town of Colebrook, Connecticut. Aggressively hopped with citra, mosaic, amarillo, and eldorado, then balanced with pale, wheat, and caramel malts, which help create a smooth and balanced ale. Mountain Pisgah clocks in at 6.8 ABV with an IBU rating of 55, which is on the lower end for an IPA. Mm. Uh, They generally fall between 55 and 70. So it sounds like Norbuck's description of, quote, aggressively hopped but also smooth and balanced uh with those malts is going to be pretty spot on hopefully because <laughs> it sounds delicious let's get to the hops do it pew, pew, pew. we need some kind of like sound <laughs> effect for i don't know what a hop sound like i know they don't make a pew, pew, pew sound no definitely not <laughs> oh man i don't know what do hops sound like yeah, it sounded like hops roasting. No, I don't know. Farmers picking them. Mm, no. We'll we'll work on it. Yeah. So citra hops. <laughs> its lineage includes Tetnanger, Hallertau Middelfra, yeah. Brewers Gold, and East Kent Goldings, uh, which are a bunch of traditional noble hops that you would normally find in a clean, crisp pilsner, and yet somehow. 
they lend a super citrusy punch to IPAs like this. And that is because of its high myrcene content, which gives Citra an extraordinary flavor profile of grapefruit, lime, and tropical fruits. And for a hop that we see in so many beers, the crazy part is that... All the beers. (laughs) (laughs) But no one wanted it at first. Citra was first bred in 1990, and in its its experimental stage, three major breweries all took a look at it, and they were like, nah, pass. (laughs) Then finally around 2007... Widmer Brothers and Sierra Nevada were both like, all right, there's something interesting about this one. Let's start using it. And then it finally popped off after that. It's because Sierra Nevada is a big brewery that is still a craft brewery at heart and makes good beer. Whereas big breweries in the 90s would have Mm -hmm. been like Budweiser, Coors, Miller. And they would have been like, that's too interesting. It's too bitter. It's too flavorful. This shit don't taste like no tin can to me. If it don't taste like no tin can, my buddies aren't going to drink it down by the bar. I ain't selling it. If anybody doesn't know, and they're just coming into this podcast this Mm -hmm. year, I do not have any kind of appreciation for Coors, Bud, Miller, or any of those big beers because they suck. (laughs) And they're also large corporations owned by foreign entities now that claim to be American Mm. and aren't. Not that I have any problem with foreign beers or imports. That's fine. But don't pretend to be my king of beers. <laughs> You're right now. Right over. I'm just letting people know where I stand, <laughs> where I draw the line. Anyway, mosaic hops, Ugh. a.k.a. Citra on steroids. Mosaic was released in 2012, featuring clean but complex like a mosaic. characteristics making it a triple threat hop that's right mosaic can be used for bittering flavor and aroma it has high alpha acids but low cohumulo making them pleasantly hoppy with flavors of mango pine citrus and herbs and aromas of tropical stone and fruit Uh, the parrot parents Parrots, parrots, parrots. I was going to say, it's got parrot hops. Now we're talking. (laughs) The parents of Mosaic are Nugget and Simcoe, which makes sense because the goal with Mosaic was to create a hop variety with a similar high yield like Simcoe. Amarillo hops, as you may recall, uh, were discovered by accident by farmers in Washington who found it to be growing next to a crop of Liberty hops. These soon-to-be Amarillo hops looked a little bit smaller in terms of the cone size and a little bit more yellow on the vine. Thus, the name Amarillo. They have a really bright lemon-slash-orange-slash-grapefruit-citrus aroma due to their high mercine content, and they do lend some floral and spicy notes as well. And they're considered dual-purpose for both aroma and bittering. When you think Amarillo hops, do mm-hmm. you picture an armadillo in your head? Kind of, yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Okay, good. I was, I was just hoping I wasn't the only one because it's only like one letter off. <laughs> but he's like gold plated. Okay. I was thinking like an armadillo, but like he had like a hop back. Yeah, but it's gold plated because Amarillo. Ooh, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty hop armadillo. Yeah. I think we just found the logo for our first beer. That uses Amarillo hops. There we go. The armadillo Amarillo. 
<laughs> TM, 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 TM. Nordic ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Eldorado hops also seem to be popping up uh, more often in our episodes. This is literally the, the third week in a row and definitely not on purpose because I hate repeating myself this often. <laughs> but anyway, the Eldorado hop is named after the jeweled city paved in gold because the Lapulin within the cone is also a deep golden color. And there's even a mystery behind the hop, too. (laughs) Eldorado hops are said to have been created in Washington in 2008 and released in 2010, which would be truly mythic by normal hop breeding (laughs) standards, because it usually takes 10 to 14 years before a new hop uh, can come into commercial use. That being said, one Minor clue to its parentage uh, came from the owner of the farm that developed Eldorado hops, who confirmed that the great grandfather to the Eldorado hop was a wild native hop found in Colorado. (laughs) I I said it was a clue, not a not a helpful clue. (laughs) (laughs) So Eldorado hops are an exceptional, exceptional dual purpose hop because they have both a high alpha acid content as well as intense flavor and aroma. As a bittering hop, Eldorado adds a firm but balanced bitterness. And for that reason, Eldorado hops have become a fan favorite in hop forward brews. And when used in later editions, Eldorado really brings out the tropical fruit flavors like pineapple and mango and aromas like pear, watermelon and stone fruit. Yeah. Are these the exact same hops that were in last week's beer? No. I checked. Were these the exact same hops that were in the week before that spear? Uh, no. The week before last was Old Nation. And that was Calypso, Simcoe, Citra, and Amarillo. So two duplicates, two different ones. All right. Listen. <laughs> Uh, I'm the beer fesser around here. <laughs> it's true. I shouldn't question my superiors. <laughs> well, then don't a- question this. It's time to crack one open. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Ready? Crack it. Nice. It's got a lot of aroma. It does. Hmm. Nice collar. Yeah, what would you say the uh, SRM rating is on this? Hmm. Oh wow, very floral on the on the nose. Oh, I'm getting heavy grapefruit notes. Heavy grapefruit, heavy stone fruit. Yeah, yeah, I, I can get that too. I'm getting that way more than the floral notes. Oh. Smells good though. We'll see. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. That tastes very different than it smells. In a good way. I think it is. It it smell it. It tastes more balanced than it smells. Uh, I would agree a little bit. I think that it still has a heavy stone fruit, grapefruit 
kind of that syrupy kind of sweetness to it, almost like a double IPA. Oh, I don't see. I'm not getting the double IPA kind of feel. I'm getting that like we're hiding the double IPA. Obviously they're not, but I'm getting mm-hmm. that hiding the double IPA between that like massive stone fruit, grapefruit kind of taste. I'm, get, I'm like, getting that like caramel malt though. I think that might be the sweet, the sweet syrupy thing I'm getting. Maybe. I enjoy it. I do get a little bit of a pine, mm-hmm. almost like a West Coast IPA type pine note though at the end. On the back. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's very drinkable. Very drinkable. Like very drinkable. It's not bitter or it's not very bitter at all. Mm-mm. I can see why this is one of their cores. It's like maybe a tad too sweet for me. Really? I think so. It just did set sweet note just a little high for me. And I think I, I'd, I'd want a little bit more bitter bitterness to kind of balance that out. Okay. I feel like it's got that same sweetness that's in a double IPA, but at least in a double IPA, you got that punch that is clearly trying to hide. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is just trying to add that extra sweetness to it for flavor. And I don't know if that's as much my jam. Okay. But the addition of the uh, pine at the end really smooths it out. Yeah. It gives the beer almost a perfect finish. It really just like goes down. Real easy. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm halfway done. Like, oh, well, I didn't pour the whole Not thing. Not halfway in my done, glass, but, but uh, I mean, getting there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that this is a great finish. I think it really is just the uh, that initial sweetness that kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Is but- it the pear? <laughs> It might be. I'm just really not a fan of that heavy stone fruit, grapefruit taste. Mm. If you have that there, I like it when it's super bitter. Mm-hmm. To kind of counter out the fact that usually that fruit is very, that kind of fruit flavor is very sweet. And I think here they kind of double down on that with that sweetness. So I get that taste and that sweetness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the IPAs we've had in the last half of this year have had a very similar profile. Yes, I would agree. But I do really like that piney finish into nothing yeah where it doesn't linger on your tongue it doesn't linger on your tongue it doesn't hit the back you're like mm, ooh, bitter mm. it's mm-hmm. just like smooth sailing uh that's not to say it's like a session like it's not like a, a crushable beer no but it's really it it, it is very drinkable very mm-hmm. smooth Perfect for the fall and winter, I think. Yeah. And early spring. For some reason, I know you just said that it's perfect for winter and spring. And I I can't recall the name of the beer right now, but this reminds me very much of one of the beers that we had at the NBC Sports Cafe down in Orlando at Universal. Oh, probably the crocodile one, the swamp one. I can't remember the name of it. it had a Maybe. really cool tap. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was crocodile on it. I don't know. Well, when we go back there, we'll have to uh, find <laughs> out. <laughs> Report back. I think you talk about this being a lower ABV. This is what, 6.2 you said? 6. Without looking 8. at the can that's right next to me? Damn. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's not a double, which is what you asked. <laughs> <clears throat> right. 
I do have to ask because a lot of times I uh, don't eat other than one meal a day. Yeah. And so when we have a double IPA and Whee! then we have dinner afterward. Oh, I feel it. Yeah. Um, I almost think I would want to see a double IPA version of this with very little really? change made. I I would be very intrigued. It's got such an easy finish mm-hmm. at 6.8 that I would almost wonder what a 9.8 or an 8.8 would be. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. Like wouldn't, how much 9.8 be verging on triple territory? I believe so. But I'd be very interested to see like if you raised it how does would this keep that smooth easy finish mm-hmm. as you raised it cuz as of right now it's still one of the easiest finishes I think I've tasted in a, an IPA. It's true. Ever. Wow. Maybe that, even, that's a that's a bold statement right there. Right? Not that I disagree. I'm just not willing to commit to it. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough thing to, for me to commit to right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go to, this is definitely top five finishes of a beer I've ever had in terms of like that finishing taste is, is light and effervescent. It goes away. Mm-hmm. I don't know if effervescent is the right word, but it's, it's light. It disappears into nothingness. It doesn't linger in your mouth in any kind of way good or bad. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, even though I do like when things linger on my tongue that are flavors I like, a beer that just goes away and like you taste it when you're tasting it. And then when you're done, you can go about and do anything else. Cause let's be honest, when you're drinking a beer, most of the time you're eating dinner, Yep. having an appetizer, eating chips or pretzels or something at a party or dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're always, you're usually doing something else or munching on something else. And this lets you take a sip. That sip is done. Eat your food. As long as that food's not a lingering kind of taste, boom, take another sip. Sip is done. Get to that food. Nothing overpowers the other thing. And I think that's amazing. And the other thing is I don't get any kind of alcohol no. burn on this. And not that I'm saying most beer has a burn. Most beer does not have a burn like that. But when you're drinking beer, you can kind of tell that it's not soda. You know? Oh, yeah, like for even, sure. Even hard seltzers, you can definitely, yeah, I think hard yeah, seltzers hard more seltzers than anything are, else. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell, oh, there's alcohol. You know, this, I would think this was like uh, a non-alcoholic beer or something by how smooth the finish is. All right. I, well, I, the only non-alcoholic beer I've had was Athletic in Stratford. It's close to the the IPA from Athletic. We should cover one of them. I have been thinking about doing that. Uh, But. Yeah, I get no. It's like drinking a soda. It's just like drinking a bubbly beverage. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. And a little dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) As quick as I'm going through it. (laughs) Oh, I think that's really interesting is that I really, really like this beer, Mm -hmm. but I really, really don't like how this beer starts. Yeah. You have a very. It's a very mixed reaction to this beer. I just think it's too sweet for me, Mm -hmm. but I can definitely see why other people would like that sweetness. Mm -hmm. I just, you know me, I don't draw full of candy from years of Halloweens and Easter's and Christmas. I don't eat candy. Nope. (laughs) I like soda. It sits. We still have Easter candy from not this Easter, but last Easter. We should really eat those peeps. Yeah. (laughs) I do eat peeps. I'll I'll eat marshmallows, but uh, yeah. I don't think you know how many peeps I've thrown out that are like no, I know one plus years old. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like sweet stuff. Ice cream, 
and soda, you mm-hmm. would, right? Yeah. Hot cocoa during cake. the winter. On a birthday oh, or I a love, special occasion. I love me some cake and pie. <laughs> but I think that's a diff- different kind of sweetness. Yes. And it's also not an everyday kind of snack. Yeah. Because that frosting cut gives way to that cakiness, which isn't necessarily like super sugary. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that might be why I don't like the beginning of this because I don't like sweet things. Yeah. Um. So I think if it was a little bit more bitter at the start, I would like it. But then if it was more bitter, I wouldn't like that finish, which I find fantastic. It's true. It's a, This is a conundrum. I would wonder how much sugar they could cut back or how much that sweetness they can go back at that start. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't ruin that finish because I would rather have it this sweet at the start and keep that finish. Because I like this beer because of that finish. So then if it lost that finish, and yeah, yeah, even if this, it would just become generic. So that's why I want to focus on the finish. It's just like it's incredible. Which I think that's this is actually maybe a good beer to start somebody off with. Beer. Um, it's got a sweet fruity note. It's got a little bit of that pininess. Mm-hmm. I don't. It kind of shows you all the, the spectrums of the beer, kind of. Yeah, thing. it's not super bitter, and it's got a great finish. No one's going to taste it and linger with a bitter taste in their mouth or a taste they don't like. Mm-hmm. At worst, they'll be like, mm, it's not for me. But it won't be like you give it to like other people where they don't like beer and they go, oh, mm, and their yeah. face crunches up and like, oh, so bitter, so <laughs> bitter. Uh, I think. I think this, it might be a little on the bitter side for a someone who's not used to any beer but for someone who's just kind of like on the fence about beer yeah you don't think that sweetness that's behind that initial bitterness is is going to balance that out for them Mm, no no not on Mm. the first sip i don't know i don't know it's tough it's tough i haven't like it though and i do say it's a little too sweet for me but when you sit back and taste the sweetness it, it tastes like a really natural Honey sugar, which probably sweetness. comes from the fact that it's a legitimate like farm. <laughs> well, you'd think they would make a big deal out of using stuff that grow on their farm. That's also true. Yeah, but they didn't really go into much detail on the website about where they source their hops from. If it's actually grown on site or elsewhere, not. they got enough acres. Yeah. <laughs> But I was wondering if they also have like a little like uh, bee farm. Apiary. Apiary where they get collect and get their honey and then put it in yeah. their drinks. Or there's the that other apiary in Connecticut. The um, back east and alvarium use. Maybe. Maybe. Avalium's all about them bees. Yeah. <laughs> I know Two Roads has their little uh, beekeeping thing in the back <laughs> of their brewery. I don't know how, about, how often batch. they utilize that for beer, though, or if it's more for like for funsies. I think it's because more they for, also have the chicken coop. <laughs> I think it's more for funsies, but they did do that one small batch. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. Um. Yeah. Should I go over the can now? Sure. So the can. Which is why I'm sure you chose it <laughs> is really interesting because it's again, another throwback can it's, it's yeah. not, it stood out flashy. on the shelf because of its simplicity. 
it really does look like a can that was made in 19, you know, 59, 1960. It's this, it's a, it's a wraparound label, not a full can label. Uh, and it's got this pale yellow that goes around and in, be- and then in the middle of that pale yellow is this dark, mm, I wouldn't say red orange. It might be orange. Marigold. Can't tell. Marigold. That's good. That's good. A marigold band running in the middle of that. On the top and bottom of the regular label are wheat and hops kind of drawn about and kind of colored in a little off printed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And a little tractor on the bottom that is. Yeah, I like the tractor. Drawn pretty detailed (laughs) for a tiny pencil drawing. Then on our marigold strap in the middle, in pretty big letters, it says, drink fresh, please recycle one pint, 16 ounces, fresh farm beer or farm fresh beer. And then you've got this label that's very, like a drawn, hand-drawn ribbon. And then in hand-drawn script, it says farm fresh, homegrown beer. And there's a penciled in image in a circle of the top of what I assume is their farmhouse there Mm -hmm. in Norbrook Farm Brewery and two power windmills. They did mention something about windmills on the website as well, but I couldn't, I, for the life of me, I tried to research about Mount Pisgah, like the history of it, maybe, and also what those wind turbines were that they were bragging about on the website, and I couldn't find anything about it. Interesting. So get at us, (laughs) Norbrook. We got turbines. Yeah. What do they do? What do you use it for? We got turbines. (laughs) Um, Unless they're like... Um, those very eco-friendly breweries like Kent Farms, like Bentwater, like um, oh, what's the sour one up in Vermont? Hermit Thrush. Hermit Thrush, where they they try to you know create their own power, use everything in in terms of materials. Magic Eight actually does that too. Oh yeah. Yep. That's Even with cool. their spent beer, wow, goes back to to them as well. Cool. Um, maybe be cool to to know what they do with that. And then Norbrook Farm Brewery on the bottom of that little circle logo. That's like a dark red. And then in like a a just regular red font with super clashes with the orange in a very 1950s, 1960s way. Mm -hmm. It says Mount Pisgah India Pale Ale. And the font is so plain, so very plain, so very. Yeah, it's like aerial light (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta there's there's so much detail in the rest of the can all of this has to be on purpose to try to evoke this sense of a farm or this uh older times kind of vibe Mm -hmm. this kind of relaxed older time vibe and on the bottom of that says it's an american ipa 6.8 percent alcohol by volume 55 ibu which i find funny because you said 65 ibu no, I said 55. Did you? Damn. All right. Never mind. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is funny mm-hmm. is it says it's an American IPA, which I like because the beginning is very kind of New England IPA-ish. Yes. But that end with that piney stuff is, is more very West, West Coast, Coast IPA. Yeah. So it is very like best of an both American worlds I- kind okay. of a thing. Okay. I see you, Norbrook. I see you. <laughs> uh, then we've got a picture of what I assume is the land, but it's very old timey, very, Hey, it's like a, it's like a landscape shot. So it's kind of hard to tell because the photo is very small. Maybe Mm -hmm. 
like three quarters of an inch on the can. Uh, but it's done in like, it looks like an old faded 1950s photograph with some writing on it. You can't read. And then it's apparently a postcard because then there's another version of it flipped around on the back. And it said Mount Pisgah IPA on the bottom. This IPA is bold and solid like Mount Pisgah, which reflectively, respectively flanks our quaint town. Blah, blah, blah. It's exactly what you said. Uh, again, the same kind of plain old font. And then you get your Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter logos on the bottom, which totally obliterates the 1950s style yep, yep, yep. Uh, in a little tiny box. And then the independent craft brewery logo on it. Norbrook Farm Brewery, LLC, 204 Stillman Hill Road, Colebrook, Connecticut, 06021, if you're interested. 860-909-1016 is their phone number. And they're or norbrookfarm.com. Most breweries do not put their phone number on their no, uh, they don't. beer can. That's true. And it's cool. Most do put their website, or a decent amount do. Surgeon General warning and a barcode. No, no difference with that. And then we've got their individual can stamp on the label, which is very interesting. Yeah. I don't usually point that out, but I only noticed that when you were holding it up and it was like facing me. It's usually on the bottom of the can or on the side or stamped somewhere super inconvenient or stupid and like, (laughs) like, uh, let's just get this out of the way. But there's is that last little bit of space left on their label. They just put it right in the center there, which is kind of cool. I like that because it makes it really kind of individual, individual, authentic kind of in Mm -hmm. a way. Yeah, I could definitely see why this label just kind of jumped out at you and it's more than it needs this it's complex <laughs> implicit yeah. simplicity. Like someone was really trying with their, you know, overhead projector or whatever in the fifties to make something that they would screen print later. <laughs> and uh I really like that can. Did you see anything else by them when you were there or just that can? Uh I think they had more than one of the brews uh, from Norbrook at the liquor store, but this was the one that really stuck out to me. And also I pay a lot of attention to what information is available on that little uh, tag on the shelf so that I know whether it's something that I can actually research. Because <laughs> if you can find it on the tag, you can find it online. Exactly. Were the other cans that style though? Or a similar kind of style? Similar-ish. <laughs> I mean, that that's the one that stood out to me. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Extremely drinkable. Food friendly. Not heavy. Not crushable. But drinkable. Very drinkable. Yeah. Now here's my question it. to you. I don't think it's seasonal like you had implied really you could drink this in the summer yeah i think the absolute sweetness at the beginning would be a little overpowering in like the middle of july mm. but drink this inside sure on the deck in the middle of the summer when it's 90 degrees outside i'd be okay hmm. interesting <laughs> interesting uh now get i mean this also determines on the selection i am provided with at the given time during the summer. You if, have every other summer you know, beer available. I mean, I'm I'm gonna take a a Persian lime goza <laughs> <laughs> over this in the in the the heat of the summer. But yeah, I could drink this in the summer. 
I mean, you could drink anything in the summer. I could drink a Guinness in the summer if I, I had I, to. I would by no means suffer through this in the summer. I would enjoy this in the summer. There just might be something I would pick over it, given the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's very interesting that we talk about the drinkability of this and over the crushability of this. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about drinkability. We're both almost done. Almost done. I yeah. had to stop to talk about the can for two, for Gary, <laughs> like Babylon about the can for forever. But this is really interesting because even in like my heart of hearts, I it's tough to explain to somebody what crush the difference between like is, oh, it's crushable or, oh, it's really drinkable. Yeah. Because like I could drink the hell out of this. Mm-hmm. Like I could crack open a sago and drink it right now. But you can't slam it. I can't slam it. I think it's that. Over sweetness at the start. Yeah. It's a little too sweet to be crushable, but you can't be too bitter because then you're also not crushable. It's like a very, very fine line. I think the crush that I think that's why sessions are mostly what people think are crushable because yeah. they are the perfect blend of bitter and sweet that your mouth just is like perfectly okay with. Yeah. Like your tongue it's is just like the most neutral of beers. Oh yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even think of sessions as sweet necessarily. Just a more balanced bitter. A little Heaven isn't sweet, but it's crushable. Is little Heaven not sweet? Or does your tongue just not realize? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all beers are inherently sweet. They all have a, a decent amount of sugars yes. in them. Yeah. So it's just your tongue not realizing it because of the amount of bitter that is there. My brain. My brain. So you have a session. It's the perfect amount of bitter and sweet. You've got just enough bitter to be bitter. And it just like slides off. And that mm-hmm. sweet is always there. If that sweet wasn't there, it would be like drinking straight up alcohol. You'd be drinking like my, um, the hop whiskey you bought me. Oh yeah. That was weird. That was I'm, right. gl- I'm glad you liked it, but it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> they make other variants. Um, but yeah, it would be something like that. And then that, that sweetness along with that is helps that along and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested to, I'm sure this is another brewery that's like two hours out of the way. Yes, and you got to drive is. through some banjo playing like inbred people to get to there. But <laughs> I'm very much interested in their Kolsch and their stout and their brown. Brown. I'm interested in their brown. Yeah. Because every time I've had a brown ale from a, a place that's a farm-based area, it's like it's always awesome. Yeah. It's always the best brown ale. So, I mean, we like brown ale from like Bad Sons, which is in a more industrial area. Oh, Bad so. Billy is so good. I have <laughs> dreams about Bad Billy. Do I have to kick Bad Billy's ass? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can you kick beer's ass? It I would can, be kind of wet. Tr- I can try. Sloshy. I can try. I'll kick bad You're just going to kick a bucket of it over? Yes, all over town. <laughs> anyway, I think that does it for me. Yeah. This was Mount Pisgah by Norbrook Farm Brewery. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. And then you can subscribe to catch our future episodes and find us on crackin1open.com 
or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or basically wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Open, or shoot us an email at open at gmail.com with any questions, comments, suggestions, et cetera, because we want to hear from you. Especially if you're a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> get, get in contact with us. Let us know. Any brewery we've done before, if we've just done your brewery, hint, hint, wink, wink, Norbrook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let us let us know if you want us to do another episode or yeah, if you want if us to come down, special shoot a video. Out, if you want to talk to us, tell us some interesting facts and stories about your your brewery and the, the beer. We just want to talk. We're we here learn. for you. <laughs> so hit us up. And what you got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Crack One Open with Mike and Elise. Nope, that's not the one. I'll do that now. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience. In its initial run, we discuss what we love about the movie. Maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know when you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema premieres every Wednesday, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. And you can find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema. Check out our commercials every Thursday. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave, where two guys play way too many video games. Join me and my buddy Dave, where we talk about a new game every week, where we talk about the latest in video game news, reviews, and previews on Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, VR. We have it all. We play it all, except for the PS5 right now, which I am actively trying to get. Actively. As we speak, it's literally on my phone watching a stock list to see if anything pops up. Yep. Uh... <laughs> And join us every other week as we do a post game presented by Two Player Bros, where we go over uh, modern classics or new releases and talk about the gameplay, the story, and then a little bit about how it's made. We do a deep dive into that game. Two Player Bros is available at twoplayerbros.com, forgottenentertainment.com, as we are also part of the Forgotten Entertainment family, or wherever you get your podcasts. But more importantly, and I beg you from the bottom of my heart, make this year 2021 New Year's resolution. Buy all of my audiobooks on Audible. Michael Butler, Sour, Switch, Progressive Entrapment, Coffee at Midnight, Vacation Planet, any book that I do, please buy. Spend your hard-earned money. It's not that much. And if you become part of Audible service, you get free books. I get paid for you getting free stuff. Help Whee! me. Get out of my awful day job that I hate. Please. Anyway, that's what I got. <laughs> All right. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Record. Until next time. <gasps> Cheers. Cheers. And Happy New Year. May all your craft beer be drunk and then replenished right after 
May all your craft beer be delish. And filled with other beers. There we go. Yeah. By the way, guys, I freestyle. Yeah. <laughs>